I was motivated by two things, really. I was motivated by Brandon's message last week that talked about God's expectation of joy. And uh, just, man, it, it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thought when you think that God is looking for an outward expression of happiness and pleasure that comes out of you. That it's, it's, a, it's a bubbling over. It's almost like a boiling over uh, of, of, of happiness, joy, joy. And, and, and Luke chapter 2, the great prophet Charlie Brown, Remember the great prophet Charlie Brown when he did the, <laughs> when he did Luke chapter two? You know he reads the story of Luke chapter two. Vulo's deal last week that said heaven cracked open. Uh, I think that was I think that was first service. Heaven cracked open and the angel of the Lord came, and he brings this proclamation. He says he says I bring you good news of great joy bring you good news of great joy. And then it says, and all of heaven, it cracked open some more, and you could see the heavenly host saying, hallelujah, praising God, giving glory to his name. There's this, there's this good news. What was it? What would bring internal pleasure to such a degree that there would be a tremendous explosion of outward expression of this great joy. The news was there's a Savior. The news was there's a Savior for all people. There's a Savior for the Republicans. There's a Savior for the Democrats. There's a Savior for the House of Representatives. There's a Savior for the Senate. There's a Savior for the President. There's a Savior for the homosexual. There's a Savior for the transgender. There's a Savior for the adulterer and the fornicator. There's a Savior for the abortion clinic owner. There's a Savior for all people. You see, that's the good news. Shout, because no matter what you've done or where you've been, there's a Savior that has come. And that is good news. You ought to be able to express great joy in the fact that there's a Savior for all people. And so as you look at that story and as you tie that in, I just want to just kind of just take a look at what joy is and, and, and just some of the things that we have to deal with here on earth. Joy. Have you ever, have you ever been in a room with a joy stealer? I mean, you come in happy, and they just seem to suck all the joy out of the room, you know, as soon as they walk into place. Whoa! Man, that was a vacuum cleaner. There goes all the joy. And so I just believe that the Bible gives us this picture is you got to fight for your joy. It was interesting when you start thinking about, wait a minute, you want me to fight for joy? Oh, yeah! You need to, you need to, you need to pour it on. Because cause, cause I know the will of God for your life. I do. I'm going to give it to you right here. I'm going to give you God's will for your life. You know, it was the number one, the number one verse on the Version Bible app this year. I thought it was great. I read that yesterday. I, did, I prepared this sermon. Then I read the number one verse on the Version Bible app this year was rejoice always. 
pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything gives thanks. Is that something to fight for? I think that's something to fight for. Matthew chapter 13, verse 20 and 21, it gives us this parable. Now, this is the parable where Jesus is saying there's, there's, there's three kind of hearts that the Word of God is going to fall on. And, and, and I'm not really going to get to two of them. I just want to talk about one because, because in that one, there's this, there's this incredible word, and that is joy. He says, one of those soils that my word's going to fall on is, is rocky soil. And the rocky soil represents those people who hear the message of Jesus and, and, the, and the redeeming power of God, the saving power of Jesus, and immediately receive it with joy. There was an outward expression of pleasure and happiness. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Man, yeah. Now, in football games, how do we do that? Any sports fans? How many Cat Panther fans are in the house? Would you, if you're a Panthers fan, stand up. Come on. If you're not, stay seated. All right, if you're a football fan, stand up. I'm going to have to change churches. Ha! How do we get, your team scores a touchdown, what do you do? Woo! Yeah! That's an outward expression of joy and pleasure. You know, we can't, we don't do that in church much, but we should, shouldn't we? I mean, that's what God says. Shout for joy, all ye people. Why? Because there's good news of great joy. The Savior of the world has come for all people. <laughs> He says there's going to be a group of people who hear that word and immediately they're going to shout. Yet that individual has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of that word, they fall away. Something steals their joy. Something robs them of something they had. I mean, they had it. It was there. They, they, they were in it, man. They, they got a hold of it. They, they gripped it. And then something happened that robbed them. The New Living Translation, I love the way it reads. It says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems. Or are persecuted for believing God's word. Their joy is robbed. When I think about the great joy that the word of God ought to bring us, you know, when when you think about God's word and and how we, you know, you know, it should just give us hope. Anybody get hope in the Word of God, no matter what your circumstance? I mean, there's great hope in the promises of God. I mean, we, we, we build, our, build our lives on it. Well, when I start thinking about the story of Jesus and understanding the Word and, and understanding how Satan can rob us 
At any moment, if we're not grounded in his word and, and stand firm, you know, if we stand firm on the Word, no matter what we see. Now, there's a story in Scripture that I don't know about you, man, but I'm telling you, if I bring it on home, if I bring this story home, it's a tough one. It's the story of Joseph, the husband of Mary. That's the one. You see, Mary knows she's never slept with anybody. Joseph doesn't. <laughs> Can you imagine getting that word? The angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and says, Hey, you know, I know that you're betrothed to Mary. Generally, that happens at 13 years old in, in that time frame for a Jewish woman. 13 years old, and she lives with her mom and daddy for a year while he gets his house ready. And then at the end of the year, they have a public ceremony, a wedding but they are considered married from the time of the betrothal because they sign a letter of intent or a contract. There is a contract between the two parents, and so that is, that is a legal binding in the, uh, uh, when they get engaged. And so there's a year process in that, that she's still living with mom and daddy, he's still living with his generally. And so if, if something happens like what the angel declares to Joseph, if something happens like that, there is a certificate of divorce that has to be given to the woman even in the engagement period. Does that make sense? And so no matter... No matter what the condition, Joseph is sitting there engaged to this gal. She's still living at home with mom and daddy. He's living with his mom and daddy. And an angel of the Lord comes and says, she's pregnant. And Joseph knows he's not, the, he's not the daddy. Now, I don't know about you. But I have to be pretty firm. I'd have to... No, Isaiah, in the virgin, will conceive a child, and it'll be Savior of the world. And then when I heard heaven, I'd have to have some, some semblance and some kind of pretty mature walk to, to know that it wasn't bad pizza. I don't know if they had pizza in those days, probably not. But to just think, ah, was that God? Was that not God? I mean, it felt like God. I mean, it was God. It had to be God. But the longer time goes by, the more doubt seems to invade us. You ever had that? You let time get under the bridge and you got some stuff like that going on, you go, man, doubt just seems to flood in. He had to be pretty sure of, of his ability to hear God. And, and then they go, okay, Mary, uh, because his first, his first reaction was, I'm divorcing her. I'm, I'm going to do it with class, but I'm going to, she's done. And then, and then the Lord says, and then Mary tells the story, and, and Mary knows, and <coughs> And then Elizabeth happens, who's the cousin of Mary, and John is 
can see. And all these miraculous things are going on. And, they, and it's just affirmation that this is heaven. I mean, do you not think that Elizabeth got pregnant with John because Mary needed affirmation? What do you think Joseph needed? That the barren woman was alive. His womb came alive. He not, you know he needed that. You know he needed it because there was a Savior about to be born. It's a tough story. There's a passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. It says this. It says, put on the whole armor of God. And then it begins to list everything. All the armor, all the, all the things that, that a, a, a soldier of the day would be accustomed to. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, shod your feet. You know, because they used to wear those things on top of the feet. Because if you took a sword in the foot, you're done. You know, you're, I mean, you're certainly wounded pretty, pretty bad. I mean, all, with the perspiration, I've got all those things. But the big one is this. Listen, he says this. When you're fighting, when you've got the armor of gun on, when you've got the shield of faith in front of you, make sure you do this. Put, when, you've, when you've done, when, uh, this is what I want you to do. Let me back up. This is what I want you to do. I want you to stand. No, I want you to stand. No, not you, but that's good. <laughs> Holla. So, hallelujah. That is amazing. I like it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Stand, and when you've done everything you can, when life has thrown you all this stuff, when it comes at you in such a way that you can't see the promises of God, stand. And when you've done everything to stand, stand there for making sure you put on the belt of truth. The Word of God, you stand on that. You stand on that. It holds everything else up. It's the thing that keeps the shield there. It's the thing that keeps the breastplate there. It keeps your armor on. It keeps it in its place. And there's some joy stealers out there, man. What are your joy stealers? I just got a few. I've got, I've got five here, but there's more. You think of the way that, that, that the enemy tries to rob you of your joy. And if, you don't, if you're not one who's enthusiastic in theos, if you're not one who carries enthusiasm, change some of your stuff, man. Change some of your stuff. You need to be an outward expressor of joy. You need to let people know that you're happy. Christians should be happy. <laughs> Why? Because there's good news of great joy. There's a Savior for all people. Oh, that Savior that's on your face. Oh, that'll look much like a Savior. Yeah. <laughs> Are you happy? Are you joyful? Do people think that that's your nature? Well, that's not my personality. I'm not talking about personality. I'm talking about joy, an outward expression of pleasure and happiness. 
I guarantee you there are times that you are loud, even if you're a quiet person somehow. You put a mama on a baseball field with a three-year-old and you hear loud. Or a soccer match where you got one huddle going on around the field like this. And everybody's screaming and hollering. The most quiet, timid people in the world with great joy and pleasure. So what are some stealers? Here's one. When good seems impossible with what's going on in your current circumstance, when, you, when, 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 when it looks like the, it, it is absolutely impossible for God to do something good out of this, that's a joy stealer. When you don't have any hope that anything good can come out of something, you're done. If we, if we understand that God works everything for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, we can have joy. <laughs> even in the midst of hard times. That's, that's what it says. That's what Scripture tells us to do. He gives us peace when it doesn't make any sense. He, 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 he gives us hope when we don't see the promises of God able to even be achieved. And so there's this joy robber that says, God can't work anything good here. There's nothing good that can happen here. I mean, I just can't see the good. When you can't see the good. When you can't see the good. And you've done everything you can to stand. Stand there for. And make sure that you put on the belt of truth. So that you can be joyful. Why? Because the Savior is about to show his face in this circumstance. I'm going, Sheikha, I'm going to give him an empty bowl. I'm going to give him an empty bowl. And I'm going to let him fill it up. I don't see anything good going to happen. But I'm bringing a bowl. I'm going to bring a bowl. Golly. So when you don't see what the Bible promises happen in your life. They can rob your joy. Can it? You've experienced it, haven't you? All of us have to some degree. It can rob our joy. When, when, the, when, when, when the promises of God, not only don't we not see them, but this is number three, and when the promises seem really unrealistic, Anybody ever had a hard time with, with thinking about the promises of God and going, I don't see that going on here. You ever had that? God says, stand. When you've done everything to stand, stand on the promise of God. Stand there for it till you see it. Because there, it's a joy robber. When people close to you think you're nuts, because of where you're standing on the Word is a joy robber. It is. I mean, we, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas is when we're around our families the most. Anybody have any, you don't have to raise your hand. Anybody, let me just clarify that now. Anybody have a relative that's kind of tough to deal with that you have to face? 
for three, four hours? <laughs> Everybody does. Most, most often times, we've got, we've got challenging situations. And, and then they ask you a, a, a very personal question about something that's difficult in your life that they heard Aunt Sue say it. So, so what's going on with such and such? And you, you don't want to tell them because you're standing. Right? You're standing and you're trying to do everything you can to stand. And you don't need the joy stealer to have the information. Right? So you got to make a call of whether the Lord wants to actually work in this situation, whether you need to cast your pearls or not. Because you know there's always a possibility that the joy is about to try to be robbed. <laughs> when the people around you that are closest to you think you're nuts, they can rob your joy because you feel alone. You feel like you're the only one that has power. I was, ate lunch with a young guy. He's 24 years old. And he was just telling me how hard it is to stand for Christian values and beliefs today in the world. I mean, you're, you're by yourself. You know, you take a hard stand on what the Word of God says about fornication, about drunkenness, about sexuality, you, you, you take a hard stand on any of those kind of subjects in today's culture, you're by yourself. It's, it's, it's difficult. And so, because people think, well, they're fanatics. You know, they're nuts. And lastly, when the church or denominational traditions that you were brought, in, brought up in have teachings that deny the possibilities of God working in your life. Those are joy stealers. Hell, it'll rob you joy, man. You know, God wants to do this work. He wants to do a great thing in your life. Here are the promises of God. I want you to stand on the word. I know you don't say it, but you've done everything stand, stand there for. Well, God doesn't work that way anymore. He hasn't worked that way in years. You know, we don't believe. You know, you know our faith, it, 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 it doesn't, you know, where I go to church, we, we, you know, we, don't, we don't believe like that. That'll wear you out, won't it? You talking about jerking a rug out from underneath your feet? It's a joy robber. It's a joy robber. Count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into various trials. For the testing of your faith will bring you into a place of perseverance. And when you persevere and you stand and you've done everything you can to stand on the truth of the Word of God, that perseverance will do its work and bring you to maturity. Count it all joy. Outward expression of pleasure and happiness. Oh, Oh, what God, what the devil means for harm, God turns to good. <laughs> Acts chapter 22 says it this way. We must through many, say this with me, is it there? We, say this with me. We must through many tribulations, 
enter the kingdom of God. Somebody say hallelujah. With joy, there's a Savior for all people. I give you good tidings of great joy. No matter what tribulation, no matter what joy stealer comes, I've got good news of great joy. The Savior is coming. Oh, my goodness. In Matthew chapter 18, chapter 11, verse 8 through 17, Jesus says it this way. He, he's, talking about, he's talking about the kingdom of God. And he, says, he says, in the kingdom, you've you got to take the kingdom by force. You've got to fight for your joy. You've got to take the kingdom by force. Say it with me. You've got to take the kingdom by force. <laughs> He says this, he says, violent, take it by force. Jesus is referencing uh, to the non-religious style of John and the confrontive miraculous ministry of Elijah's teaching that the kingdom of God makes penetration by a kind of violent entry opposing the human status quo. It transcends the, so transcends the softness, the sedate and unadventurous religious formalism and exceeds the pretension of child's play. It refuses to dance to the music of society's expectation that the religious community provide entertainment. You want to be joyful? You got to take it by force. You got to fight for it. You got to believe it. You got to stand on it. You got to know that God is good. The antidote is given to us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Finally, brethren. <laughs> Anybody know where I'm going right here? Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Let's read this together. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Yeah. So who's trying to steal your joy? Who are you letting steal your joy because you're not willing to fight for the promises in the Word of God? What a great word, Sheikah. There are some of us who have given up. Some of us who don't have joy about situations. Some of us who are, who are thinking that, this, that they're looking at, staring right into the face of the impossible. Be believing and thinking that this is even too big for God. And what God is saying this morning, Sheikah, is bring me an empty bowl. Bring me something I can pour into. Yeah. Give me something that I can fill up so it can do the work of the kingdom. Fight. How do you fight? Bring a bowl. How do you fight? Stand on the word. Believe. Hope. Don't shrink back. If God be for me, who can be against me? God, if you're on my side, 
My enemies scatter. Yeah. Father, thank you for Christmas. <laughs> thank you for the good news. Thank you that there's no situation that we face in government, in, in nations, in relationships, with finances, with children, grandchildren, parents, sickness. There's nothing, God, that we face, God, that is impossible for you. And so, Father, with those things, God, I pray that you would put them in our hearts and in our minds. And then we would begin to hold a bowl out to you today, God, and ask you, Lord, to fill that with your spirit, God, and that would be us. Fill us with your spirit, God. Give us revelation. Give us creative ideas, Lord. Give us, give us the uh, vision, your prophetic vision on how to move, and give us great grace, God, in those circumstances. May we never lose hope. May we do everything we can do standing on your word. And when we've done that, God, may we continue to stand. And may we put around our waist and, and, and the thing that holds everything in place in our lives, the belt of truth. And your word is truth. feel like there's so many people in the room or not necessarily so many there are many people in the room who are just tired just tired they're tired of the fight tired of believing it seems and the reason being is is because you're empty need to be refilled. God, we cannot do this life without you. With man, it's impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. Awaken my soul. I say like David to myself, awaken my soul. Awaken my soul. My mind, my will, and my emotions awaken to the truth of the Word of God. I will not believe. I will not stand on the lies. I will not stand on the accusations. I will stand on the Word. I won't stand on circumstances. I won't stand on, on the places where I see people missing the mark and that I see sin abounding. I'll stand on great grace, the Word of God. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. So, 
So, Lord, where are we going this week? We're gonna we're gonna go into this Christmas season, and we're gonna have all kind of opportunities to do what the angels did, and that's to proclaim a message. I bring you good tidings of great joy. A Savior is born for all people. Give us wisdom and discernment for the people who have ears to hear and eyes to see. May we not go without bringing the good news. May we shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.